Shammer, Shammer, Shammer Sports Worldwide. Welcome to On the Rocks with Shark and the Hammer. I'm the Hammer. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Seth Evans. And that's Shark. You can follow him at Kevin Sharky. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys listening in, all of our Shammerhead Nation. Uh, so if you have any thoughts, questions, feedback, hit us up on Twitter at ShammerPod. Uh, we're here for all your Shammerheads and your thoughts. How you doing today, Shark? I'm good, man. I am stoked. It's Monday. It's football season. We're getting ready for the playoff push. Living the good life. Oh, that's awesome. What did you decide to go with for your drink of choice for the week? Uh, we did a good Italian dinner last night, so I just drank red wine all day yesterday. Chianti, and it was wonderful. Not a bad move. I went with uh, Aberlauer on the rocks to start off, and then I ran out, so I switched to Jose Cuervo margaritas. Um, so the headache this morning was as sugary as can be. Yeah, that's a fun Monday morning for you. Yeah, yeah, always a good time. Um, speaking of good times, I was thinking through that yesterday watching TV, and big shock, I spent the day watching football, and I noticed, you know, two things that I wanted to bring up to you. First, Deshaun Watson's back. What a big thing after 700 days without football. And the Broncos played, and I can't stand Russ, so it led me to think, and I wanted to hear what you think on this. Who's more unlikable right now? Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson? So I got to say my first, you know, a little bit of gripe with the NFL and media and everything. Why are we celebrating Deshaun Watson coming back yesterday? That just felt gross to me. It made me icky. Um, That said, he has to be the more unlikable one, right? Because he's actually a shitty human being. I mean, if they both suck at football and they both have these narratives around them, we have to go to the tiebreaker, which is, are you a good human being or a shitty human being? And he's not a good human being by all accounts. So in logic and theory, yes. And that's what made me think of this question was Watson is this horrible human being who's done these terrible things. Nobody likes him, but yet he was celebrated for coming back. But on the flip side, you have Russell Wilson, who demanded a trade out of Seattle, basically Mm -hmm. got Denver to give up give up, you know, mortgage the future, give him 200 plus million dollars guaranteed or something of that nature. And it seems his teammates fucking hate him. Like going with the let's ride shit from the day he got there. It's been a mess with Russ and, you know, doing, doing the knee raises on the plane to London and on the sideline when they're losing saying it's Russell Wilson time. I, I would have thought the easy answer to this is Watson's worse, but I'm not a hundred percent sold. I mean, he, he, Russell, Wilson is a tool, right? Like, I mean, I don't know if we knew this when he was in Seattle. Why I don't why was it hidden? Was the defense so good and so lively that we all focused on Richard Sherman? Did he change over the years? Did he get into his own head? I, I don't know what happened. Yeah, that shit is weird. He is kind of a tool. He's a douchebag. I can't imagine he's a good teammate, right? What did they say? He had a birthday party recently and half of the team didn't show up. Yeah, that, that's never a good sign. That doesn't happen to Josh Allen. Like, at his birthday this year, everybody is there. Yep, that happens to Aaron Rodgers. Right. That, and you don't want to be in the same conversation as Aaron Rodgers unless you're talking about statistics. No, so right there. So I think at the end, if I had to make a final decision, I think it's Watson, but it's way closer than it should be. It's uncomfortably close. I think I agree with you. Yeah. So, yeah, yesterday – Takeaways. I got to say, the biggest thing for me, you watch Chiefs Bengals. 
in the afternoon? Yep, of course. But, you know, I, I had the multiple TVs rocking. But I had Red Zone on one, Chiefs Bengals on another. Sure. I did the same thing. That game was so good. We got two of the best quarterbacks in the league. The number of people that I know that didn't watch that game and just watched Red Zone Channel, it got me thinking, has Red Zone Channel actually been a good thing for sports fans? Or has it become such a gluttonous good thing that it's actually ruining the game for fans? I think it's ruining childhood fandom. I think, you know, perfect example, me being a Lions fan because of Thanksgiving and watching maybe one of the only games on TV. You really start really watching these. You pay a lot of attention. I feel like now no kid's going to be a fan of a team. They're a fan of players because all they see is them scoring touchdowns. I agree with that. I mean, my oldest is six years old, and we have Red Zone on one TV every week, and then we find games. Um, but we don't live local to the teams that we root for in this house, so we don't always get to see them. There's, there's so much. It's ADHD for you know for football fans. It's it's insane. I don't know that we're doing better. We're learning the game better as fans. I feel like we are just focusing on big plays, and it's making us lose what makes football great. It's making us lose all the little battles. We don't, nobody knows about the adjustments teams are making. Like in that game yesterday, I thought the Chiefs were out of it. I thought they were done. The Bengals came out to a great start. They actually switched up some of their game plan a little bit. Mahomes started taking on a little bit more, which is what Mahomes does. And they went with some quicker passes. They stopped going to Kelsey. They stopped going to Juju. They, 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 they did all these different things, and all of a sudden they were winning 24-17 after being down. And it's like, if you're not watching the game, you don't know why they're winning. You just, oh, there's another touchdown. Okay, great, awesome. Let's go over to the Rams or Seahawks. Yep, I think that goes back to a lot. Like, I, I was thinking about, so my dad was over, and we were watching football, and he was like, this is just overload for me. I don't know how you do this with the three TVs and the red zone. He's like, I feel like I'm, I'm like, in, like having a flash attack. Um and it's interesting thinking, I almost, you know, as we're talking about this, I almost feel like kids should have to grow up watching one game at a time to learn the game before they can go to Red Zone. Because Red Zone for us is the best invention of all time. Absolutely. I love it. I, but I think that's a great idea. And if you're going to watch one game at a time, like, how much better does it get than Chiefs Bengals? I mean, are they kind of becoming the best rivalry in, in football right now? It's most yeah. fun so far. It's two of the top three quarterbacks in the league, hand down. Yeah, it really was entertaining. And, you know, that's something that you should sit down and watch. But, you know, like most kids playing Madden, they're, they're doing that ultimate team where they're selecting players, not teams anymore. It's just I think the whole way sports are watched now are totally different. But funny you mentioned about the two of the three best quarterbacks. It really got me thinking with this red zone. And football is the most popular sport in the world now. Red Zone's taken over the world. Everybody's watching nonstop. You have every household has it on. How do we not find 32 good quarterbacks? How is this possible? <laughs> it's, there's, like, there should be at least 32 people in America that can play quarterback at a competent level. We should at least have 64. I mean, how does every team not have two functional quarterbacks? It is mind-boggling. Some of the guys that have been – trotted out there this year we don't i don't have a full list in front of me of everybody has started but we've gone the jets have gone from joe flacco to zach wilson to mike white like we really have decided that these three players are among the 65 best quarterbacks over the age of 21 in the entire continental united states how pj walker what is he doing out there 
XFL legend, sure, but come on. But he's on the same roster as Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. So uh, not anymore. Uh, not as of a few minutes ago. That's right. Baker Mayfield got cut this morning. Yeah, big news breaking for anybody listening to this. Baker Mayfield is cut. I know everyone's devastated in your fantasy rosters. What are you going to do? I know. Hey, you know, the only person right now that's really freaking out is Christian McCaffrey because you know the 49ers are about to call Baker Mayfield. Oh, there's no way they don't they don't sign Baker immediately. I mean, he can hand the ball off to, to McCaffrey. He's done it already this year. Yeah. He does have to pass through waivers. So they're because of their record, they're a little bit low on the waiver priority. It'll be interesting to see if another NFC team puts in a claim to block them. That said, I, I wonder what you want isn't him. He do, isn't he do a decent amount of money? I have a feeling he definitely makes it through waivers. If you claim him, you get his contract, at least as far as I understand. I'm not an expert on that, but yeah. Because of that, is it really worth – if you're a middle-of-the-road NFC team and you have to block the 49ers from getting Baker Mayfield, you're not a Super Bowl contender anyway. No, but I don't know if the Niners are anymore, which – this leads me to uh, one of the other things I took away from yesterday. Is Christian McCaffrey bad quarterback dependent? <laughs> He's not as good with a good quarterback. I mean, what do they have, eight catches for 100-something yards yesterday after Jimmy G broke his foot? Like, all of a sudden, he looked like Carolina Panthers' Christian McCaffrey yesterday. Well, that's the idea. That's what I was watching yesterday, and I'm thinking to myself, like, this guy is great at doing the things that you need when you have a terrible quarterback. He's best at catching the little dump-offs because there's nowhere else to go. Uh, he's great at, at busting it outside and just making crazy plays when he can't. It doesn't track with him being, like, I can't picture him with a Josh Allen. Like, there was talk of him going to Buffalo before the trade to the Niners, and I can't even fathom him in Buffalo it would be so boring It'd be like Naeem Hines yeah it, it, he doesn't add anything to a good offense because he I mean he's not a great running back right he's volume dependent uh, okay let me hold on that that might not be the right wording he's really you talking really... before I said it <laughs> <laughs> he's really good but he's not I don't know. He, he's not right for an elite team. On an elite team, he's a waste of talent because what he does is take advantage of absences in talent, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how to put it, but it's weird. Like in the NBA, they have these guys they refer to as good stats, bad team guys. So it's like a Bradley Beal who will average 30 a game, but he's never going to make the playoffs. Right. It's just somebody like that. McCaffrey is a great stats, bad team guy. Yeah. I completely agree with that. But speaking of McCaffrey and the 49ers, so Jimmy J, he's out for the year, right? Ooh, they were brutal. coming into this week. I think that, you know, I think we all thought they were going to be better with McCaffrey. We thought that the offense was going to be a little more dynamic. It ended up he just kind of replaced Debo in some roles. Okay, no big deal. But now – they don't have a quarterback. They maybe have Baker Mayfield. We'll see how that goes. Who the hell is good in the NFC besides the Philadelphia Eagles? Like, who's beating this team in January? The only thing I can think of is if it's a day game. Uh, if they get the 1 o'clock game, maybe the Vikings. But if they play after 4 o'clock, there's no way they can win. Right? And that's what I think. Like, the Vikings should be a contender. But NFC Championship, because it's looking like they're going to be the 1-2 and two seeds – that's a prime – like, it's either a 3.30 or a 6 o'clock game, like, and the whole country's watching. That's not – that's not a good recipe for Kirk Cousins. 
No, because the way the Vikings would have to beat the Eagles is Justin Jefferson would have to have 11 for 280 and three touchdowns. Yep, and they got to shut down A.J. Brown. I got it. Speaking of Kirk Cousins, a little bit of a, a rant on this one. Everyone's talking about he he's good in primetime games now because he he beat the Patriots on Thanksgiving night. Nobody was watching that game on Thanksgiving night. Everybody is drunk and completely stuffed, and it's just on their TV while they're not paying attention because they don't even want to be awake anymore. That doesn't count. He does not get a pass. He's not good in primetime because of Thanksgiving night. Stop that. Also, a little secret that's starting to make its way out. The Pats aren't good. No. They don't have mm, someone like Tom Brady. Yeah, uh, which I heard a thing. Uh, this is a total off-topic off rant, but I heard this thing about Tom Brady potentially going back to the Pats next year. Could there be a better story in the world than him winning all these Super Bowls with the Pats, Belichick being like, fuck you, I can do this without you. He'd be like, fine, great. I'm going to Tampa. I'm going to win a Super Bowl. He does, and then comes back and wins another one for the Pats. If he does that, does Bill Belichick have any credibility anymore? This will be Dan Campbell. <laughs> like, <laughs> if, if the Patriots look inept without Brady for three years, and then he comes back and all of a sudden they're the class of the AFC again, I feel like we have to rewrite the entire history of the last 25 years of the NFL. Yeah, it really would. I, I mean, at this point, Brady's won the Brady-Belichick argument. He's winning it. Yeah. Yep. I don't think Belichick has enough gas in the tank left to change that. No. Not I, at his I, age. I don't think so either. But back to the back to the topic we actually were talking about. I don't think anybody can beat the Eagles. Watching them, they can beat you in multiple ways. Their defense is nasty. You can't run on them. Yep. Their offense, oh, great, it's cold out. Fine. Great, we're in Philly. We'll run the ball all over you. Oh, it's a beautiful day, and you want to stop the run? Great, we have AJ Brown going off for two hundred yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I would have said going into yesterday, one of their bigger holes was that you can potentially run on them and control control the clock. That's how the Commanders beat them a few weeks ago. Is yep. Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson just got the ball every single play? Yesterday's Titans teams should have been one to take advantage of that, but then Derrick Henry had thirty yards, and like it's. They're getting better every week. It just feels like they're destined for the Super Bowl. They are. And uh, actually, on that note, you mentioned somebody's name that I wanted to talk about with you. Derrick Henry? He's he's kind of not looking great. I mean, you were talking about some of the stats. What, what Where has he been lately? His last four games, he's got you know, sub three yards per carry in every single one of the games. And in all the games before that, eight games earlier in the season – He's only been over 4.2 yards per carry three of those eight games. This is a dude with a 4.7 career yards per carry. So I know you say, oh, 4.2, that's pretty good. Not for Derrick Henry. That's good for a normal running back, but not for Derrick Henry. If he can't be the greatest and he's just a guy, then that makes him worse than just a guy. Now, I agree. I, I don't think he's RB1 level anymore. I think he's on the down, on the decline, but somebody built like him, could he turn into a super version of Jerome Bettis on the Steelers? I think he, I mean, listen, I can't write him off. I, I know that you've tried writing him off and it didn't I work did three out. years ago and I was stupid as hell for it. <laughs> three years ago, Seth traded Derrick Henry away for a single first round pick in our dynasty league. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought Henry's... I was a year. I thought I was a year early. I was trying the Belichick move, but I'd rather move on from a guy a year too soon than a year too late. Turns out I was three years too early, and what do I know? Yeah, and I think that because of that, yes, I think there was still a long career ahead of him. That long career made Jerome Bettis in Pittsburgh 2005 is a perfect example of who he can be. But I think the days of him just willing the Titans to victory are done. He he is not that back anymore. I'm ready to declare it. Which means he's going to go for 300 yards next week. Oh, minimally, minimally in the first half. Uh, but no, I, I agree with you. I'm curious to see what happens with him because I could see him becoming like a one-two punch guy with someone. Like, a, for example, like I could see him and Tony Pollard being a perfect backfield next mm-hmm. year on some team. You know, let's say they end up in, uh, I don't know, Minnesota because Dalvin Cook's gone. Yeah. The two of them could turn into a monster duo. You know, you have the thunder and lightning idea. It will be interesting to see. I, I agree with that. I think the thing that we got to figure out with him is for the last six years, he got better the more touches he got. Can he transform his own game to be that good on 10 to 15 touches? Well, I think they would all have to be 10 touches within the red zone. So you're figuring he's looking at stat lines of like 10 carries, 24 yards, and three touchdowns. Jerome Bettis. That's what I'm picturing, like, <laughs> you know, like a old man version of A.J. Dillon almost. I, I, I kind of think it makes sense. I, and he could drag out his career for years at that, right? I still but, think he's got a couple years left. But, yeah, not a running back one. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to be – I don't see him as a top five running back anymore. Let's put no. it that way. Nope. So how about those Cowboys, by the way? Uh, speaking, I mentioned Tony Pollard before, but how about those Cowboys? 54-19 over the Colts. They, I want to say they're good, but I still feel like at any moment they're not. It's like, did they blow out the Colts last night? Or did they play a really close game and then happen to score four touchdowns in the last eight minutes? I, I, this is one of the most confusing teams in the league for me right now. They're kind of elite and kind of terrible. Yeah, they, I hate to say this, but I almost it's like they have the super elite talent everywhere. And then their coaching staff is so bad, they make them completely unpredictable. Mike McCarthy is not a good NFL head coach. No. Period. No, he's definitely not a good coach. I don't know, but he's better than Jason Garrett, I will say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which, I guess, that's what they were going for. Sure. I mean, I mean, anything's a step up, sure. So let's go with that. Ken, I mean, it's a divisional game when they play the Eagles. We know how divisional games are in the NFL. Are they the dark horse to watch out for to upset the Eagles? That makes, as a Giants fan, this entire conversation makes me want to vomit, for the record. But, like, is their talent alone and their their knowledge of the Eagles the team to watch? It makes sense. It makes sense. But also the, the, the Cowboys on a big stage in a playoff game, I can't see doing something good. No, they have to get ba- they have to get past a bad team in the first round in order for that to even be a possibility, and they'll choke yeah. that away. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But yes, in theory, they should be the ones who would be able to stop the Eagles. Because I mean, the Niners. I would have said the Niners. Would have said the Niners before all this, but now potentially Baker Mayfield. I'm like getting nauseous for Christian yep. McCaffrey, but potentially with Baker Mayfield, the Niners they're done. Yeah. Um, you know who's left? It's the Eagles. Basically, they're standing. It's the Eagles, Vikings, and the guess Cowboys. I mean, do we have to – are we going to do this thing where we, we have to acknowledge the under 500 Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady? Yeah, it's, the only, I mean, it's, it's, it's not the Giants. It's not the Commanders. Well, funny you should say that. You know who I actually think of is the dark horse in the playoffs right now is the Commanders. 
Taylor Heineke showing up yesterday dressed like uh like he was in the Peaky Blinders. <laughs> I, what was cooler than that? I love I love when guys do shit like that. I think that's awesome. The team loves him. They clearly fucking hate Carson Wentz. But look at that defense. That defense is a beast. They have a solid running game. They have Terry McLaurin, who's somehow like stat wise has become like one of the best wide receivers in over the last like ten years. <laughs> I don't know how it's happening, but he's there, and the team seems to really want to play for Heineke. I mean, Heineke is cocky enough to not know that he's not good at football. And that's a that's a dangerous recipe in January because how do you prepare for that as the opponent? There's there's no game script to prepare. Heineke's not good. There's no film on him. I, I don't know. Are you talking me into the commanders right now? This still makes me sick as a Giants fan. I don't think he – let's put it this way. I'm not putting him down to win – I'm not betting on them to win the Super Bowl. But if you no. told me they were going to play – the Cowboys in round one or the Vikings and they won, I wouldn't be shocked. I could see them winning one game against a better team in January. Yeah. And if that happens to be the Eagles, now they, they're going to have to win a game to get to the Eagles. That kind of like the Cowboys thing could work against them. But if they play the Seahawks because the 49ers are about to fall out of it and they win that crappy round one game and then it's them versus the Eagles in round two, I may not like that if I'm the Eagles. No, I wouldn't be excited to run into them. They know how to beat them. And on top of that, we also left the fact that the, the good Washington Commanders defense is going to get better. They're getting Chase Young back. He's, he's right on the border coming back. If he's healthy for the playoffs, dude's scary when he's on. I mean, those are the types of pieces that you need to win in January. He is one of the best defensive linemen in the game. Yep, and healthy all of a sudden and fresh. That, guy, that dude's going to make some noise with that um, unbelievable defensive line they have of all first-round picks. Yeah, so I I would want I I'm going with them as my kind of dark horse. I I wouldn't want to run into them in a dark first round playoff. You're talking me into it. I don't like it, but you're talking me into it. Also, there's no other options. So, well, that's true. All the other all the teams are so bad right now. All the ones who aren't in it are like painfully bad. Um, which leads me to a question I was thinking about yesterday because watching the games. Uh, my Lions fandom, I was checking out where our draft picks are going to be because it's already that time of year where it's time to plan for next year. Mm -hmm. uh, Lions have their own pick. At, at, right now it's 15th. But they also have the Rams pick this year. And right now the Rams pick fourth. So it got me thinking, is there a worse possible position than the Rams right now? Is there any team in a worse scenario for the next three to five years than the Rams are? There's no. I mean, they have no draft picks. Everybody's old. Fuck them picks. They, they, they have insane cap trouble. I, the only team that comes to mind is our earlier conversation, the Denver Broncos, because they are tied to Russell Wilson for the next yeah. five years. But Well, they, they can get out of him with a quick $100 million next offseason. So that's not bad. Money, no, you know, it's a good deal, actually. Listen, I, I, I might pay $100 million and be terrible for two more years to not have to watch Russell Wilson if I'm the <laughs> uh, Speaking of Russell Wilson, so let me ask you this. How many guys on their team do you think would throw a million bucks each to help towards that dead cap number? Well, is there 53 men on a roster? Could they cover half of it? So, <laughs> could they cover half? I think everyone on the team that would sign up to take a million dollars less next year against the salary cap to make up for that. Yeah, that's. I'm just wondering. That, you know, Russ sucks, man. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, so it got me thinking about the Rams, and so their best player is Cooper Cup. He's thirty. He's broken. 
and that's it. That's literally it. Aaron Donald is going to be done in a year or so. He's ready. To re- he almost retired this offseason. He probably regrets not doing it. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of them do. McVeigh, I mean, who knows? He'll be on TV soon enough making $30 million a year. Oh, yeah. He's got no reason to come back within the next year or two. I, I, no. They, they don't. There's. I'm not excited if I'm a Rams fan. That, that, that leads me to an interesting thought, though. So the Rams, they won the Super Bowl last year. Now they're going to be terrible. Is it worth it? Would Would you rather right now, you're, you're a Lions fan, I'm a Giants fan, we don't have a lot going for either of us. Would you rather be a Rams fan and you just watched your team win the Super Bowl or a Bengals fan? There's no Super Bowl promised, but good Lord, the next five to ten years might be really, really fun for you. That is an interesting question. So as a Lions fan, the idea of winning a Super Bowl is just so foreign to me that I can totally <laughs> live with that. Like, it doesn't even compute that you can win it. Um, so that doesn't even make sense. So th- having a fun team like the Bengals sounds interesting. But, uh, you know, Super Bowl, man, you take the Super Bowl and you run with it. Like, five years. When you win a championship, the fan base has to give it five years before they can pitch. Yeah. That's the old Bill Simmons theory. I, yeah. I, I mean, the Giants won in 2011 and have basically been irrelevant for the next 10 years since then, I think about that night that they won the Super Bowl so often, and it still resonates as one of the best nights of my life. You just still have to take the Rams, right? I think you do. I think you do. And I just, I think the next couple of years are going to be really painful, but it's worth it, man. You won a Super Bowl. You take that, you take that a million times out of a million. There's a lot of teams that have never done that. So there's a lot of fans right now, yourself included, that are like, this is the stupidest conversation of all time. It's the yeah. Super Bowl and shut up. Yep, Super Bowl and you, you'll worry about it in a decade. Yep. All right, so the one of the last things for me is we are coming in on the home stretch now and the Eagles are clearly running away with the NFC and I'm getting more and more upset by the minute is – we got a big thing coming up with the MVP, right? It's MVP watch, watch season. We got five weeks left. Who are your top five right now? I'll give you mine. It has to start with Jalen Hurts, I think. We've talked about Joe Burrow. He played yesterday. He's in there. Talked about him playing against Patrick Mahomes. He's in there for me. The other two in my top five are on the same team, and they're opposite ends of a tandem. I'm going down to Miami with Tua and Tyreek Hill. These are my top five MVP candidates for the 2022 season. Interesting. Okay. So let me think my five, I do have a receiver in my list also. And I do have a couple of the same guys, my list in no particular order, Burrow, Tua, Mahomes, Hertz, and Justin Jefferson. Now I can't believe I have to do this, but it's finally time. I've been telling you forever. Tua is great. And I'm finally now proven correct. That doesn't sound right. Right. No. Uh, so I thought Tua was actually the worst quarterback ever for a very long time. I've clearly been proven wrong about that. The dude can ball. Um, it turns out he needed a coach who could actually just do the things that make him good. Yeah. And he got it with Mike McDaniel. And, uh, you know, it is what it is, man. I was way wrong on that one. He's he's looking great. He's looking awesome. Uh, Dolphins are rolling. Um, I think he's got to be in the conversation. I mean, right now it feels like it hurts to lose. And a receiver will never win it, but my dark horse is Jefferson. Without Jefferson, the Vikings are, are four nine. Jefferson is having a – I mean, he's a great receiver, and he's having a great year. I think the thing that hurts him is – and hurts Tyreek Hill as well – is each other. 
there's two receivers who are kind of making a case for it this year. It's interesting. We both had the same four players and then you had Jefferson and I had Tyreek Hill. Um, are they going to cancel each other out? Their stats are similar. Hill, I think, is having a better season. He also has the unique argument that he wasn't on Miami last year. And now look at what they're doing with him. Yeah, showing the value. But, but good Lord, Justin Jefferson, 88 catches, 1,277 yards and six touchdowns. That's a hell of a season. We still got a third of the season to play. Like, where is he going to finish right now? It's insane. I can't fault either of them. I, I have a personal bias against Jeff, Justin Jefferson. I chose mm-hmm. CeeDee Lamb ahead of him in my dynasty draft, so I don't want to admit things. I'm not quite with him where you are with Tua. We'll have that conversation in another year or two. <laughs> but, well, I, I, <laughs> just to give everyone a quick background on this who's listening. So there was some talk going on in our dynasty league, and Sharky and I were talking, and I was boasting about my wonderful draft track record. Uh, I decided that I said I could pick later and still get the best player. So we traded. Sharky moved up. I moved back. He got CD Lamb, and I got Justin Jefferson. So just so everyone's aware, I, I won that won that one. Um, but yeah, it, he's so good, Jefferson, that it's almost scary. I he was starting to get annoyed with Kirk Cousins yesterday, though, which has me really worried about where things are headed. Uh, he's going to demand a trade in the offseason. I could see it already. He's or demand a new quarterback. Yep. But so with the MVP conversation, it's hurts to lose. I mean, narrative wise, it's hurts to lose. Mahomes should win it every year the same way Jordan should have won every NBA MVP. Yeah. But it's boring. It's just boring at this point. Mahomes is so good that it's boring how good he is. I agree with that. I mean, Mahomes is the MVP. We all agree. And okay, now let's give it to somebody else every year because he's on a different level. Yeah, exactly. What are we going to do? Give him the award for 10 years in a row? There's no fun in that. So we got to go with the narrative. Yep. And this is, I mean, Hertz is having a special season this year. I, I this, this entire podcast makes me sick. <laughs> this is a very anti NFC East for you. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. No, I think right now it's Hertz. And I think I would put probably two a second. Um, any, any love for Gino? No. <laughs> I feel like you have to consider him because I mean, he's better than Russell Wilson. Let's, let's yeah. just leave it at that. Oh, my God. Pete Carroll is a fucking wizard, man. Um, <laughs> I need that 30 for 30. I am yeah. so excited. Oh, dude. I, so here's my conspiracy theory on this. Okay. You're going to like this one. Now follow me here. I think Russ is in on the conspiracy to get him out of there because he knew he was cooked. Therefore, he demanded the trade with Carroll. They said, screw it. We're not going to win together anymore. And, we're de- and the Seahawks were like, we're definitely not giving you $200 million. So they said, great. Let's keep our mouth shut. We'll pretend it's the whole team is the problem. Everything's fine with Russ, yada, yada, yada. They work together. They get him traded out of there. Seahawks are better. He's $200 million richer. I think they were in on it. (laughs) That is my new favorite NFL theory. I have no holes to poke in that. That is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) It makes too much sense. They already got the Super Bowl. They don't give a shit anymore. No, and he gets gets to look like the bad guy and get $200 million extra. Why not? Broncos country. Let's ride. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was a heist. I think it would be the perfect, instead of a 30 for 30, it should be a heist movie. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm in. <laughs> oh, I think that, that'll be the first production from Shammerhead movies. Um, so. Watch for that in 2026. 
Yeah, so that's all I got for this week, man. This has been a pleasure talking to you. Um, if anybody has any thoughts, questions, feedback, we love to hear it. Hit us on Twitter at ShammerPod. Uh, we are here. We love weird ideas. We're happy to compare almost anything you want to bring up. So send us some messages. Send us some reviews. We'd love to hear it. And uh, we'll be back next week with more to talk about. This has been a Shammer Sports Network production. On behalf of the Hammer and Shammer Heads everywhere, thank you for listening. Please subscribe, give us five stars, and leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.